It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Alejandro Martinez. Alejandro is a partner, chief executive officer of the U.S. and Canada, and head of the Global Clients Organization for SDG Group. SDG is a global consulting firm that provides specialized services in data and analytics through a unique combination of business domain expertise and state-of-the-art technologies. Alejandro has been recognized as one of the top 50 global healthcare consultants by the Consultant Report and as a visionary leader in the data and analytics field by Analytics Insight. He contributes to SDG Group's technology alliances in their partner advisory councils and direct engagements with their R&D departments to influence the market execution and the technology roadmap. Alejandro holds a bachelor's degree in business administration, a postgraduate degree in international management, and a master's degree in project management from the Polytechnic University of Valencia in Spain. He also has a degree in business engineering from the School of Engineering from EIA University in Colombia, where he was born and raised. Alejandro Martinez, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. It's an honor to be here with you. Great to have you here as well. And, uh, you know, we always kind of get things started talking a little bit about the early days. And uh, I know that you're an immigrant and uh, we have a lot of immigrants on the show and very, very interested in your immigrant story. So tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up and what your early family life was like, mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Yeah, so I grew up in my uh, kind of my half of my um, life went into Colombia. I grew up in Medellin, Colombia, early in in the time of the uh, cartels and all that. So yeah, that all yeah. Medellin's got a history there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like I mean, in, for good and bad, that's yeah. where where I grew. So like I mean, a lot of the I would say good things that I have is is also coming from kind of the precautions you, you right. used to have when, when you were living in those times. Were, were you aware of that growing up, that it, it was dangerous? Mom and dad, you know, made it clear that yeah, no. you could do and where you could go. Yeah. Of, of course, the only thing is, like like always, like I think humans are really good on, on adapting. Right. So things that might be insecure or, or different for someone, you, you need to adapt and, and right. live your life. So at the end, I never really realize on yeah, kind of you don't know the, the difference right yeah yeah, yeah. until uh, i was living outside until you're older uh, yeah yeah because you just guys oh you, you, your mom and dad said you have to do this you do that and you know you don't think a whole lot about it what, what did your yeah. parents do what was your father's profession your mother 
so my my father was working as a, a real estate uh, person. He has his own company, but he was kind of focused on tourism uh, projects. So yeah. more like uh, creating resorts uh, around the Caribbean. Developer, in, was he a, a developer, developer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was same. She had her own company, uh, but she was more into the financial industry uh, as, as stock markets and, yeah. and, and, and working with, the, with, with all the stocks. So it was kind of two different profiles in my life. Like one was, like right. both were salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my mom was more rational, more financial. Yeah. And my right. dad was more, um, I would Creative. say, Innovative. yeah, more following the, the gut, let's say, yeah. because at the yeah. end it's, it's less rational when you're uh, working with that. Brothers and sisters. I had one sister. Is she's younger, uh, one year uh, yeah. to, uh, than, than me. Uh, but we were really close. Like at yeah. the end, we were kind of a couple. Our friends were same friends. Uh, so we used to share. Like I don't know, her friends and my friends right. were kind of the same circle. The group, yeah, the group yeah. hanging out with. Cool. And um, uh, you know, what types of memories do you have from mom and dad? You know, any. Uh, specific learnings or lessons early on or, you know, things about safety, for example, you know, what, what were some of the things that, that, that mom and dad, that you recall mom and dad telling you or that were formative during those early years? I, I would say like in general, like it's not that you were kind of following you. I don't know. They were somehow telling you, Hey, this is a bad place. Mm. Please don't talk to a strangers, like normal things. Yeah. I would say that, the only thing that is, it was quite different at that time is in, at that time in Medellin or even in, in Colombia, it was said like never follow the same path. Like, I mean, don't have a routine so you can really get copy or wow. someone can kidnap you or do yeah. something with you. So like when you came home or when you, when you, when you either walk home or take your bike or go different places, you would always go on a different route. Correct. Like even going out different hours, like keeping yeah. a different routine so no one can say on Monday he leaves at 8 a.m. or on Wednesday he comes back at 6. Yeah. It's, it's, so it, it was kind of challenging, but I would say that's something that stay with me. I, yeah. I tend yeah. to do traveling with an uh, unplanned. No, because I, I'm following a security reason, but because I like it. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> and you're, you're brought up that way. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it probably has other benefits, too. You get a chance to see different parts of the city or what have you. I, I know that when I love to go on walks, I always hate returning the same way, right? You know, and kind of want to go through a different different neighborhood. So maybe you get that opportunity, too, to take a look around at different places. And, and what, it, what it has, and I don't know, somehow I think is, is one of the best things that I have as a quality is adapting to change mm, yeah. is when you are changing always, you're not really having like a routine. Yeah. You need always to be adapting. I mean, you find something new, you need to change immediately. Right. Right. So that kind of like the, the, how fast you need to react to change. It's, it's something I grew up with that up and, with. and yeah, it, it's part of me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's a, there's a benefit, right? Huh, that's yeah. super cool. What about school? Were you a good student? Yeah, I was a, a good student until mid high school. Uh, <laughs> that like those I, teenage I, years, right? Yeah. Like I, I was the best student in, in primary, first years in secondary. Um, then I started to go out and then 
I don't know, I will say I, I, I became average. Uh, it was until the college when I went and I was kind of taking my first exams and I, I didn't study. And I, I was kind of having some of the high uh, grades in the right. without studying. I was like, oh my God, if I, if I study, <laughs> I will rock this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I started studying again. And then I became, again, kind of the best student in university. Yeah. Yeah. But there were some three years where... I don't know, I enjoy going out with my friends and I wasn't really paying too much attention to study. I love it. What about other activities? Were you involved in sports? If so, which ones? You know, music, theater, other outside activities? I was all leaning to basketball. basketball. Like I started playing basketball when I was really a kid. Uh, and I don't know, I was every day playing basketball like for, for the whole, uh, I don't know, kind of all my years in, wow, in school. Yeah. So I was playing for three teams, like the state team, the wow. the school team, and then I was playing for another organization teams. Kind of a club, but, whatever. Yeah, like every day I was training with, with those teams from Monday to Saturday. So yeah. that also kind of created the, the discipline when when I was kind of reflecting on, and, and thinking on myself, like I tried to do analysis on, on my life, one of the key people that influence into my, my discipline on how I operate is my coach at that time in the school from, from the basketball. He was kind of hard, like in, in terms of discipline, he wanted to be driving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more like competitive. Like he, right. he didn't like to lose. So he was doing kind of, things that were like, I don't know, I remember preparing ourselves to to play in, in different heights. So you, you have legs oxygen. So he was kind of saying you need to train double. So oh, different like elevations, even, right? Yeah, because yeah. Colombia is a mountainous country. Or, or did you play outside of the country as well? Or is it different different parts in Colombia? No, I play always in, in Colombia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got the beaches area and yeah. you've got the mountains. Yeah. So but big, but it's different. Like the yeah. high as you go is is more difficult to yeah, to breathe. So. Yeah, breathe and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, did you play uh, basketball uh, through high school and then into college as well? Is it something you continued uh, uh, you know, in your college years? No, I, I stopped really like and, and those years were I wasn't really kind of, I became an average student. Right. I stopped uh, a little bit on the basketball as well. Yeah. Like meaning yeah. it's, it, it doesn't go like going to party, going with the friends, going <laughs> out with a lot of the things. I, I think, I don't know, my, my mom and dad, I think they will regret those years. Like, but it's not that I love them, but I think it's part of, of me. It really helped me to go out in, in those years and then focus on, on my things later right. on. Right. What about entrepreneurial things? Did you do those growing up? You know, in the U.S., kids typically have a paper route or they may sell certain things at Christmas time. Is that part of the Colombian culture or, or not so much maybe <laughs> going out door to door? No, yeah, but also like, I don't know, Colombia has a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, social difference or inequality. Right. I wasn't really living in in a bad family. I mean, we had everything, so I didn't have the need, or, yeah, or yeah. like it's no part of the culture. But I was doing. I mean, in, my grandpa was an entrepreneur. My my family both were entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, I used to kind of sell things, even in the school, like candies or marbles right. and right. stuff like that. But the small things, like I wouldn't really consider. It was more like a a way of 
of, of managing money and, and, and working with money and getting margin from uh, reselling. Um, when I was kind of my late years in high school and beginning of college, I started working for my family company. And okay. it was kind was of that on weird. Your dad's side or your mom's side, or, or did you just put your time between both? No, I, like I started helping my mom, yeah. um, understanding kind of what was the sales process and how to automate things or oh. do things more, I don't know, uh, easier for her. Efficiently, yeah, right. Um, but it was more uh, like a sporadic, like meaning it was kind of favors in, in right. general. Right. I would say the the thing that changed my, my approach and how I was doing things is I went to university, so I started being kind of after those first exams, like best student. So I became really competitive on on becoming really the best student, having the best grades, and and everything. Right. Then when I was late in the in college, there was uh, PNG was kind of recruiting with giving kind of they would recruit the best of the university and. And they will pay the rest of the university for yeah. for those people that were recruiting. So I had the interview. <clears throat> you go through like different profiles. They did the interview, and the first interview that I have, or the first process that I I took, they reject me, and they say you don't have a life apart from uh, studying. Mm. And it really reflects me, like when I saw the movie about Blackjack. Right. I was like, oh my God, this is what happened to me. Huh. Um, so it was more like, yeah, I understand you're you're a, stu- a good student, but what else? Like, what are you doing? What is your life experience? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. after those years, I started really like studying in the morning and working in the afternoon for real, like with a, a, a contract and and getting a salary and, and kind of working for real on, on that one. So I went back to PNG. And one year after, and I say, hey, look, I want to go back into your process. Like, I believe I have more than just grades. And, and I have a life behind the, the thing. I was part of the leadership of uh, a marketing group. I was part right. of a club in, in finance with um, financial instruments in the in the college. So it was like, now it's, it's impossible. They don't take me. <laughs> Um, and then they, they say, the yeah, they, they say, yes, okay, you can go on finance, but then something came like, meaning, I don't know if I got scared or, or what, but in the, in college, you needed to do kind of a work experience at, right. at the time that, that was 2002, uh, in order for you to graduate, you needed to work in a company and, and that work experience needed to be evaluated by someone in the, at the, in the university. So. I decided like, hey, I don't want to do it here in Colombia. If if I'm going to do this six months of my life, I want to do it abroad. Mm-hmm. So I started looking in US, I started looking in UK, and then I went to London to to start kind of that work experience, like really working for free, but at, at least getting something. And that's really where my life changed. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I got in front of a completely new life. Um, because at the end, I was working, but I, I was working for free. Like I wasn't really getting, it was $200. So I started working for my first time as a 
bus boy, as a waiter in in Hard Rock Cafe, in bars in London. Now, so was it, this was this during your university years or after you? Yeah, finished? yeah. During no, your, no, uh, during the university years. I, I was or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I I continued studying at that time in in Colombia, um, and 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 kind of like what I was there. In reality, I was doing my my semester of work experience, so it was right. still right. a part of the of the program. Um, so I realized, like, I mean, in money is not that mom and dad are giving you, and it's easy. Like, I mean, in, I was working until three a.m. and as a waiter, and people treating you bad or things like that. So I realized kind of the 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 difficulties you can have just sure. to get money. Like, I mean, just to get five pounds and and, and stuff like yeah. that. Now, was uh, your was did had you studied English prior to going to London? No, I study like let like, I me. Mean, I st I used to study in in Colombia, but really kind of being able to uh, to speak and to have conversations and did it there. Like meaning, in reality, what I was doing, I was just kind of studying in the morning English. Then I was going to work uh, in into Pro Colombia. It was like a company promoting ex exports and investment in Colombia in London. And then from there, in the nights, I was working in in a bar or hard rock cafe. Yeah, yeah got it, got it. And that's probably where you perfected all your uh, euphemisms and uh, all the slang, right? <laughs> yeah, like it, it was, I, I used to work in a bar on Friday. It was on the eastern side of of London. And kind of the security guards were all from the eastern side. So they uh -huh. used to speak Cockney. And, oh and they God. used to joke around and speaking, like teaching me like some of the Cockney <laughs> phrases. Cockney phrases, yeah. But... <laughs> But it's yeah, like it was it, another language. It was completely like life changer uh, in in terms of that year. Like I always say, this like is I started an, a completely new life. I I discover, for example, that I I love traveling. Um, after, until that, I was traveling with my parents and, mm -hmm. and more like going to US, going to the Caribbean, traveling in Colombia, but nothing like traveling to discover. So I started traveling and backpacking when I was living in London, and I love it. Like, I mean, it is, yeah. it's something I continue doing even with the family, not like backpacking, but unplanned traveling. I mean, right. we, right. we, we can fun. just go and say, hey, tomorrow we're leaving, and we like that as a family. So you came back to Colombia, finished not just an undergrad, but you also did a master's degree. What was that first job, the first serious job you had coming out of uh, your uh, graduate education after your master's? Yeah, the thing is, I never came back to Colombia after that. Oh, you never did. Okay, got it. So got it. the the thing is, after that, um, I had a girlfriend, and and she was applying for, um, kind of an interchange between the our university in Colombia and the university in Spain, the right. the the Valencia Polytechnic of uh, University. Um, so she went there and kind of what I was like, because I was kind of one of the top students in my degree in, in, in Colombia, I apply, I say, hey, I know I'm, I'm not in the line, but I want also to go to this university the oh, next semester. Spain. Ah, okay. So you did, you did your, your studies there. Got it. Got it. So my last year from the university in Colombia, I did it in Spain. Wow. And when we were in Spain, I was studying kind of the, the different subjects that I needed to, to do to finish my my major in, in Colombia, right. um, I realized that I could do kind of 
double degree uh, if if I apply for kind of um, I don't know there was kind of the option in the university in Spain so I took my degree in Colombia I was studying business engineering it's kind of a mix of I don't know all the mathematics and engineering right. with right. with business and in Spain it was business administration so when I apply the I don't know after six months they say yes we can considered some of your subjects, but no, like meaning anything related to laws, anything related to our country, you need to do it again. Huh. And then I decided, okay, uh, I will do it with the only condition that you don't put me a limit on how many subjects I can have in a year. <laughs> Good for you. So my first year in Spain, I, I took kind of a break from Colombia one year. And in one year in Spain, I did three like i put one the all the subjects were missing from year one year two year three um and then i don't know it it's like i from that year i started kind of doing two degrees at the same time like yeah. i was doing spain and colombia then i i went into an international management uh, postgraduate and i started doing the, the spanish and 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 this postgraduate and then I finished the Spanish one, my, my business administration degree. And then I started kind of um, a project management uh, master degree that was kind of towards the PhD. Right. Um, that is, I don't know, I would say it was like nine years of studying in, in the universities. Really competitive. It was the same, like meaning in Spain, I got to know a lot of the people, but I, I was kind of obsessed with getting perfect, like the grades. Uh, and I don't know, I've, I've somehow realized that I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, in uh, being here, like it's, it's like you get used to something like what, what I was saying before with the routine. So I don't know if I was afraid to change or I was afraid to go to work. I was comfortable. I mean, I was mm. studying for free. Basically, the university was paying all the studies that everything that I was speaking. Um, and you get exposed to a lot of opportunities. So inside the university, like I was leading all the like students organizations, I was leading elections in the university in Spain. Um, so it was kind of, I don't know, offer a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. And it so, was, so then did you go to work then full time? I know you did some professorship at the university as well there. Uh, but did you go to work for SDG directly after graduation then or after you'd finished your degree? Or was there some interim jobs that you had that were, you know, more from a professional standpoint? Yeah, I have some interim. And, and in fact, like in my late years doing the master, when I was working on the kind of the, the thesis for, for, for the master, right. there was a, a professor that said to me, like, hey, look, the, if, if you want to do what you're doing, you love learning. Don't don't do it here. You're not going to earn money to leave. Mm. Do it in consulting. It, that, that's kind of the same thing you're doing in, in terms of research because I was kind of working towards a PhD. Right. Is go to consulting. So I apply and I started working in a in a company in, in Valencia in Spain, more focused on strategic management. Uh, the company was called Analisa. The, the, the meaning is analyze. So I was helping C uh, level mid-sized companies in, in Spain to define strategic planning, strategic actions, uh, analyzing kind of the competitive uh, landscape. Um, and then the crisis came, yeah. so I needed to to change my job. And that's when when I went to 
as the dean. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, um, pretty much your first job. I mean, one interim job, and and you've been with them ever since. But you you started in in Barcelona, right, or or Valencia? Where where was your first? In Barcelona, office? like in Barcelona. Yeah, great. When I when, great city. when I I started in, in working for SDG, I moved to Barcelona. And, and since that, I've been working for, for SDG but the, yeah, ever since. Like entirely my life. Yeah. yeah. So, so they start you as a consultant, right? And you're doing different strategy work. Do you, do you move into management of other consultants fairly soon? Or had you been an individual contributor for a number of years? How long was it before you started managing people there? So when, when I joined SDG, and, and, and that's kind of the particular thing I was working on a strategic management and even we were kind of a, a mid-side consulting so right. I used to lead my projects and, and and basically I would say one of the good things is all the background that I had from research and and, and, and kind of college they apply into the the consulting side um, so when I went to SDG the the different thing is that we work with with data and, and and we need to do programming and we need we need to kind of have, have technical background that's really where i was saying like oh my god that it's nice that i study engineering so at <laughs> least i did the programming side otherwise i would be like out of the equation so when i joined i, I really knew little about programming and and sql and working with technologies so i kind of I was saying, like, if I'm capable of doing this in university, I need to do it by myself here. So at the beginning, I was kind of a consultant. Once I got the level that I was technical enough, like meaning to execute and have full autonomy, I started leading projects. That was like seven months after I joined SDG. And and then from there, I started leading in small teams in in kind of engagements. At, at the beginning, I was working in CPG and pharma companies. Uh, and then from there, moving like every six months, one year into higher positions on, yeah. on inside the company. But you stayed in Barcelona for, for a good number of years, right? You were there until you moved to the U.S. or, or how long had you uh, had been in, in uh, Barcelona before moving over here? So I, I, the, the, the thing is, is quite even uh, th that's even what makes me in, inside SDG is when I joined SDG was 2009. The financial crisis in Valencia hit it in 2007. Right. In Barcelona, the big hit of of the crisis came in 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. So what happened there is I used to work with companies in, in Barcelona, SDG at the time, we were 60 people. And I remember working with 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 a CPG company and, and them taking all like, hey, the budget now is no longer in Spain, is in UK. Mm. So I remember going to our leadership and I was saying like, hey, I don't know, it's so simple. I mean, in, the money is still there, but it's managed in a different country. We just need to go to that country. Like, um, And I remember kind of they were laughing at me like, hey, do you think you're going to knock the door in Germany, in UK, in Belgium to all these companies and they're going to pay attention to you? It's like, why not? I mean, I have the no has an answer already. So at the beginning, no one was kind of believing in, in that idea. Um, and we started working with a pharma company in Belgium. Uh, and we built, we, we won. It was a small pilot. And that was 2012. And since that, really, I was living in Barcelona, but I wasn't really working in Barcelona. I mean, yeah. I started working for Belgium, Germany, UK, the Netherlands. Uh, so all my life was really like traveling from Monday to Friday inside Europe. 
and I got used. I mean, in, I was kind of working on international or EMEA regional uh, engagements. And in 2013, there, an, an opportunity came. There was an event in Philly and came with the same idea. At that time, kind of, it was proven that the idea of working international was kind of valid. So you say there is an event. I'm getting invited. I, I promise if I go, I come back with a customer. <laughs> so I came to Philly in 2013. And yeah, we, we met. I met some companies. And then at one week after, we had a new customer in the U.S. Uh, and that's where I started kind of traveling to the U.S. So it was 2013, 2015. We got a, a big project. Like it was 10 people that we needed to move um, to U.S., and in 2016, we we kind of created SDG US as a entity and a company here in in US. But it was kind of I will call it entrepreneurship inside the SDG group. Like right. I, I like to create things inside and to challenge the the status quo. Um, in the same way that I was saying, like adapting to change is is really what I try to do. I like yeah. the the crisis in general. Well, SGG is an Italian company, right? It was headquartered there. And then did it, did it grow to Spain first? Is that kind of how they grew in Europe before, um, you know, there are different points across the, across the globe? So the, the company was headquartered in, in, in Italy. It started in Verona. Um, Barcelona was the second city in, in, in SDG group. The thing is, for us, the international projects help us really to grow the company faster than with a country like Spain will grow. Mm. Um, so at some point, SDG Spain became bigger in terms of size to Italy. Um, but it was kind of, we were handling in Spain, but in reality, we were handling as well a lot of international projects. Got it, got it. Right now, SDG Group is is kind of co-chair headquarter. So it has a headquarter in, in Barcelona and a headquarter in, in Milan. Mm. Um, and we have like a co-chaired CEO globally. And how many employees worldwide? And uh, what's your current um, focus with regards to the consulting clients you work with? So right now we are uh, 1,700 people uh, globally. Um, I lead the, 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 or the whole US. Right now we're uh, nearly 100 people here in the US, basically around the East Coast, uh, PA, New York, New Jersey, and then in New England and Central Illinois, uh, kind of covering North, Central is. Uh, we have some people around US, we have some key people for us in, in other states, but kind of where we're like pushing and, and trying to get our new customers and add value is in, in this region. Right. Then in parallel, kind of that group that I created or that organization I created in Europe there was the international clients is I continue managing them so a lot of our global uh, customers some some of them are headquartered in US so it's easier for me to manage them but some of them are headquartered in Europe and and the particularity there is that we have like global teams it's not that the team is just in Barcelona or in Lisbon is there are teams all over the globe in order just to be able to support those uh, global customers. And, and most of the clients you have are enterprise type. They're, they're, they're large multinational types of firms. Yeah, I would say like 80% of our companies are 
big enterprise and, and like global 2000. Um, we never say no to to a mid-sized company or a small company. Um, in fact, uh, I will say like I have learned a lot in, in my life. Like if, if, if I go in and consulting, you learn a lot. I learn from the small companies and the mid-sized sure. companies yeah. Yeah. because that's, that's where, where the innovation is and creativity. Yeah. 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 And, and people are willing to take the, the risk and people are willing to explain you. Uh, normally you have access to the management, so you're ge- really getting ideas without the phone game or filters. Um, and for me, for example, in my early years in SDG, one of my my top kind of influencers was a customer. Like he hmm. really made me be more strategic, more um, assertive when I was saying things, more uh, like being able to have a story behind like the things I was explaining. Right. Um, it's it's really where you learn. It's, it's not yeah. just the, yeah. the big ones. The big ones give you big contracts and, and you have a, <laughs> right. a long relationship. On the small ones is where where you get, I don't know, relationships, the you, you learn like this. New ideas. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So you've, you've been there 13 years. Again, you've, you've started as a consultant, obviously went through various projects and now, you know, running a region. How would you say your leadership style has evolved over that time? I think it's a, a good question. Like I try to have like, I don't know what I would call situational leadership. Like I try mm-hmm. to adapt depending the situation on, on what I'm working. Like as I was growing, like at the end that I was kind of the youngest partner or 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 or, or, or one of the younger guys in, in inside the board in, in right. SDG group. When when you are growing and people senior than you used to be your bosses and now you're becoming their boss, you can really go with like authority. Like it's so I started kind of depending the the situation you need to collaborate you need to listen so it made a kind of my style in general uh i always say like there are times where you need to put your hand and say hey we need to do this and like i mean when when there is a crisis like COVID or the financial crisis you say hey we're going this what do you think but we need to move quick there is less time for consensus um but i try to like meaning inside the company i try to say hey I don't know every idea like many i want to listen from new like new colleagues like, that are joining they have fresh ideas they're less um into the what we are adapted let's say to our routine um the other thing that i have and and people sometimes like it people sometimes don't like it is i'm really direct like i say things as they are without mm. decorating them I've been trying to adapt even more, uh, like I would say, and like like I try to see things half empty instead of seeing small successes of the people. But it's with that idea of improving, like we need to be the best. We can really be the second option. Um, so right now what I try to do is to effort myself to highlight those small things when I'm giving feedback on something that is, is going wrong or we need to improve. But in general, what I say to the team is like, if you want to hear it directly, come to me. I mean, don't like I don't go with is good or bad. No, I say if is is bad, is bad. Is is good, is good. Um, and oh, some like people, yeah. Yeah. yeah, people like to see if, even if you're bad, like it was good. And 
I don't know. It's I always say it's not my type. Like I don't want to create misconceptions of things. Like is if is a, a bad thing what we did it is bad, and if is like if we need to change it completely, we change it completely. And sometimes I don't know. It creates shock. Um, but I would say that's part of my style. Like I I don't yeah. go around. What do you look for when you're making bets in the people you invest in and hire at SDG Group here in the States? Um, I would say for me, the, the top number one quality is the attitude of, of the person. Like, let me mean, mm. I prefer to have fighters than to have someone that is saying, I know everything. Mm. Uh, of course, you need to have skills to learn and, and skills to to be able to execute what we're doing. And as I was saying at the end, it's a mix of business and a mix of technical implementations. Um, but in the world where we are, the technology is changing. Is is no longer that what we know is valid and in six months it, it continue being valid. Like we need to continue be learning, challenge what we know. And that's where it's better to have fighters and people that are willing to learn. I always say, like, meaning I'm not an expert. I need feedback from from everyone. And if I see, I always say, if you see something wrong on what I'm proposing, say it. I like, mean, don't be yeah, afraid. Right. I'm not going to challenge this. I'm human in the same way. Like, meaning I don't know all the answers. I'm just proposing. Um, and in fact, I try to, as much as I can, to get, like, not a consensus, but, like, sharing the decisions before I make them just to hear if, if they need to get tuned. Uh, I have the belief, like if you make a decision alone, it's your decision. If you kind of share your decision and people somehow agree when you make the decision is our team decision. So it's no longer you alone on, on, on that plate. Yeah. Makes good sense. Well, Alejandro, we're almost out of time, but we always ask our guests one last question, and that's, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give someone that's, you know, perhaps has their eyes on the corner office themselves and have just started in, you know, maybe in the next 14 or 15 years also want to be CEO? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say even for young generations right now, or even for kind of people uh, trying to get up in, in their careers, I would say what is key that people are forgetting is the engagement we're all humans and it's not just about like working remote and, and working from home there is a piece that is really key with our customers our colleagues that is the interactions the engagement getting to know each other getting to know a little bit more of that person on out of the professional life even if it's a little bit like it doesn't like everyone can share whatever they would like but is key in order to create teams. Like if, if in order for you to work as a team, you need to trust the other person. The more you know that person, the better. Even if it's the customer, if it's a partner is working with you, or if it's a colleague. Uh, I think some some people are forgetting that. Like, hey, we, we get so much efficiency just by working in this way. We don't need to do the other one. And are kind of forgetting about communication. Like everything can be done with an email instead of having a conversation over the phone. Um, so it's, I don't know, people are kind of avoiding the stress, ab avoiding the conflict. And those things are also key in order to develop when you go to management. Like is you know, your day to day, you get problems, you get conflicts and you cannot really get a stress or panic in, in making those decisions. You need to mm -hmm. be quick and react in, in those ways. The more, you know, 
the situations or the more you know the people is going to be easier. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Great wisdom. Well, listen, thank you so much. Alejandro Martinez, partner, CEO for SDG for US and Canada. We really appreciate you sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roy.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.